You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. All right, everyone. So thank you for having me as well, too. As uh, Sangram mentioned, I am Jake Dunlap. I'm the CEO of uh, Scaled Consulting. We are a consulting and strategy firm. We work with tons, hundreds and hundreds of marketing and sales organizations around process, strategy, technology implementation. And so we get a chance to really see what the fastest growing companies in the world are doing. We get a chance to see what some of the largest companies in the world are doing around sales and marketing. And so you know, from my conversation with Sangram, we started to talk about different topics and ideas. And I've been on this big kick lately. How many of you have seen me on, follow me on LinkedIn? God, I got some work to do. All right. If you don't follow me on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I talk a lot about trends in marketing, trends in sales. It's Jake Dunlap. It's very simple. And so one of the things that I've been kind of big on and talking quite a bit about lately is this idea of, of trends that are happening in sales that are going to have 100% effect on marketing and how our teams today are structured and incentive plans, et cetera, to not be able to, to stay up to these new standards of what our buyers are going to expect from us. And so today, I'm going to try to talk about what we see is happening kind of in a modern sales and marketing org, trends that are happening, and then what can we do about it? And how do we start to think about this today? Because when the next kind of financial situation happens, and it will happen eventually, we're going to have to get scrappy. We're going to have to start to think of different ways to do business. And so we'll make sure, I always like to save at least five or 10 minutes for Q&A. So again, any, we'll go into like future trends, what's happening, sales and marketing. And so there should be quite a bit of, you know, hopefully some dialogue that you all want to ask questions as well. So I, I, wanna, I want everyone to kind of harken back to the good old days of sales, right? How many of you remember whenever a salesperson reached out to you, closed the deal, and then like actually worked with you? How many of you are in sales? A few of you? You guys didn't raise your hand? You don't remember these days? Like, shit, I know you're not like, you know, 25, right? And, and I want you to think about the buyer experience. What I want you all to really think about is what was that buyer experience like? Look, I got a chance to meet you. I got a chance to know you. And then guess what? You had to deal with my ass. And so you knew like, am I gonna close this deal because I wanna work with this person for the next year, two years, three years, however long it was, right? And so we had this like, you know, very rich buyer experience because it really was a relationship. It was one person, right? It wasn't this kind of one to many. And so the first kind of shift that we started to make was this concept of hunters and farmers. That Jake, there are these people, they're just genetically pre-wired that they just like to just service people, right? Or whatever it is, right? And that, that kind of started our first rift here, right? And, and I'm sure any of you who are buying software or buying products when you first saw this, you know, a lot of people are like, wait, what do you mean you're going to hand me off to someone who's then going to like work with my account? Like I got to explain everything all over again. I've spent five months talking to you, right? And, and we did it for specialization, right? We didn't think that it would hurt the buyer experience. We did it because we wanted to specialize. It'd be a lot easier if we could just, you know, hand people off and customers were like a conveyor belt, okay? And so that was step one of the rift. Now, then we came up with this great idea of qualifiers, Right? Uh, how many of you buy technology on an annual basis? Purchase technology, software? 
Okay, about half of the folks, okay. How much value does this person bring to your conversation? Right, all of you have SDRs, I won't make you raise your hand. We created this role, its sole purpose was to add zero value to you as a buyer and purely to qualify leads, right? And I know a lot of you have probably been through this process before. How many of you experienced a painful first call with a vendor, right? And, and it's because, and, and it's getting worse, and I'm gonna talk about why I think it's getting worse, but we've created this role where the sole purpose was for our benefit, right? Salespeople had to have the, the hottest of all hot leads and qualified leads, and they're not good enough, right? So we created this, this new role, right? So over the course of the last, I mean, really, yeah, we, we created this role, like Aaron Ross wrote Predictable Revenue in like late 2000. So like we didn't really start the, like a lot of you probably don't even remember this, like we didn't used to have SDRs. Like it was like mid 2000s that it really became, started to become popular. And it's just been over the last five or 10 years where this is kind of status quo. You know, I've got these people out there, they're qualifying deals, I've got my salespeople, I'm now handing it off, right? And so, and that made the experience worse, right, for our buyers. And, and the thing is, it was, it was okay. Like buyers still put up with it because they needed access to information, right? If your sales org is the only way that I can get information about your product, I, shit, I got to deal with it. You know, like I, I don't have a choice, right? And so as we think about what's going to happen, and I'm going to talk a little bit about incentives and, and what I think is happening around incentives and things that we need to do. But, you know, this, this kind of buyer experience that we have today is definitely not buyer first, right? It is definitely our process and our methodology first. And, as we start to think about trends and things that are gonna to start to happen over the next two, three, four, five years, it's not gonna be good enough, right? And the process that you all have as marketers, the process that you have as a sales leader in particular, we're gonna to have to re-engineer the process to think more about the buyer the way that we used to, right? Because again, the buyers aren't gonna to have to put up with it like they did before, all right? So let's talk a little bit about the experience right now. And, and, and I also wanna talk a little bit about incentives, okay? So the first touch point for most people with your organization is marketing, right? How many of you are in marketing? Everybody, what about sales? How many of you are in sales? It's like a handful, all right. Props, sales, all right, there we go. Marketing and sales, I feel like I feel that way as well too. So marketing's first touch point, right? They might find you, they might Google your company, they hear about it from a friend. There's all these different touch points. You know, what, I, what I'm actually shocked by is how many marketers don't even know what appears about their company on the first page of Google. You don't understand how important Glassdoor is to your company. You don't understand how important is G2. And I'm going to talk a lot about G2, G2 crowd here in a second as well, too. Just G2 now, but I like to say G2 crowd. So you know what I'm talking about. And so marketing is incentivized to get people to just raise their hand, right? At the end of the day, like, look, we talk a lot about we want all these other people to raise it, et cetera. But nine times out of 10, the marketing department is paid or judged KPI'd by getting people to raise their hand, right? Nothing inherently wrong, right? Like, that's fine, right? Of course, we want people to raise their hand, et cetera, right? Quality, like, ah, okay. Volume, volume first, quality second, right? And anyone telling you that that's not the equation is lying to you, right? Like, you are incentivized to do more, 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 more. And we all sit here and talk about it. We're like, no, 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 no. Like, but it's quality. I, I dealt with the same thing on the recruitment advertising side. Like, we don't want more candidates. We want the right candidates. And then you give people five and they're like, what the floor are my people? And like, no, like it's not, you want volume first, okay? Now, let's talk about the next role, which is like your sales development rep. The sales development rep is that person's first interaction like with a live human being, okay? Again, this person is KPI'd to qualify you. They're gonna do whatever they can to try to move you through the funnel. How many of you have an SDR team that's compensated on revenue? One, 
two, three, four, five. Five out of like 50, okay? Why is that a problem? Well, if the SDR's whole goal is to just SQL you, SAL, whatever the hell you call it, like whatever your company calls it, okay, their incentive is not to do what's best for you. It's to do what's best for them. It's to move you through the funnel as fast as humanly possible, right? And add, and again, to me, I think the most shocking trend that I see is just how little we actually invest in our SDRs. And then I hear marketers bitch about the SDRs don't know whatever. It's like, have you seen their training and onboarding program? It's garbage. We're not even training them like how to have conversations anymore. They're just executing outreach and sales loft and like not having conversations. And then we wonder why AEs aren't ramping fast enough. That's a whole other talk. I'll go on for like hours about it. But my point is, again, I want you to think about the buyer experience. I went to Google. I saw your Glassdoor page. I saw your LinkedIn profile. I went to your website. I, down, I looked at a couple of case studies. I then go talk to this person who gives me back zero value, right? The next person then is the salesperson, okay? And hopefully the salesperson has some idea of what's happening. But again, how many of you have an account management team that handles renewals? That handles renewals? All right. So it's like probably like 60%. How many of you, the salesperson handles renewal? Is it a better question? Okay, like seven people. Okay. So for a vast majority of you, your sales organization is incentivized to close deals as fast as humanly possible with no regard for usage, right? How many of you actually comp your salespeople based on usage? You don't even need to raise your hands. There's one person that did. Like, you're the only person, right? And it's ridiculous, right? Like, again, a salesperson is compensated to jam you through the funnel as fast as humanly possible and tell you the same thing that they all tell you. And of course, none of you software companies say this. It's so easy to get started. It's so easy to get started. It's amazing. Our customer success team is world-class. I've never met a company that didn't say their customer success team was like best in breed, world-class. Not a single one, right? But guess what? Change is hard. Things happen. You're trying to impact hundreds or thousands of people like with your software. Like, it's not like quite that easy, right? So again, Think about, think about this from a buyer's perspective, right? And I think a lot of you, you know, one of the things I like that Jillian said, she's like, these buyers are human. And like, you have to think about that. I had marketing. I got these other random touch points. I think I know what's happening. I then talked to this SDR. He told me to go talk to Timmy. I talked to Timmy. Timmy is like kind of this and he's just pressuring me. He's got his monthly number to hit, et cetera. And then all the time, I keep re-explaining myself. Like how good is the marketing data handoff to the SDR? Garbage. How good is the SDR handoff to sales? Beyond garbage, right? So then me as a buyer, I got to get on the phone. Oh, I got to explain this again. Like, oh God, right? And then I get handed a customer success, right? I, 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 I end up buying, right? And then I got to explain all of this all over again. So now I'm, I'm handed off to customer success. Customer success is almost universally compensated on retention first and growth second, right? I mean, that's again, nothing necessarily wrong with that, right? But again, I think what we've all seen is that the issue that, that's kind of come about with this customer success is that you only hear from them around renewal time. You know, like you, you, they're really, really tough to find uh, prior to renewal, right? And again, like they're checking in, they're touching base, they're catching up. How many of you look forward to quarterly business reviews with your vendors? None of you. And the reason is there's no value, right? The customer success person is like, they're not researching your business. They're not, of course, for big enterprise accounts, it's a, it's a little different. But for the most part, the customer success person is like, they probably are overloaded with accounts. They don't have time. They don't have time to get to know you, get to know your accounts, right? So again, this buyer experience, and if you think about, again, the incentives, you know, she or he, you know, nine times out of 10, we're not comping them on like, you know, customer success, et cetera. If you have an account management and you have a customer success team, usually customer success teams are comp 
Did they log in once a month? How many trainings did I do? Again, that's how I'm incentivized. I'm incentivized to do more trainings, less actually like just fixing problems for you, which would be ideal if customer success would just like fix the problem for me and not train me more. I don't need any more training. Why do you ever keep training? Do it. Like stop training me. Like you think people want more training on your software? No, they want like solutions. Like stop spending time training people. It's a waste of time, right? It doesn't make them happy, et cetera, right? So if you think about this experience again, like as a buyer, right? Again, I'm talking to marketing. There's a lot of mixed messaging. I then talk to this SDR who adds zero value and we wonder why because we don't train them too, right? Then I talk to a salesperson who's incentivized to literally get me through the process, tell me how easy the process is and it's gonna be so easy to go live, et cetera. And then I get handed to someone with little to no business acumen who really only cares about my renewal, right? And again, like what I, thought, what I loved about what Jillian talked about is with their big accounts, they're doing a lot of stuff, right? Because they want the money, right? And that's fine. Right. So again, like this is the process as it exists today. How many of like, if, how many of you is this your process? Like relatively similar. Again, sales, marketing, SDR, etc. A lot, a lot of people nodded heads too. Okay, I'll count it. So about let's call it like 70 percent of you. Okay. And again, we all like to think that we're not this. Like, no, not us, Jake. Our handoffs are legendary. They're not. Like, I promise. Like, your handoffs are. There's no impact on the buyer. You're not thinking about the buyer at all. It's how quick can I get this off my plate and get it onto the next person's plate? And that's kind of this universal like conveyor belt that we have. Like one of the things that I think is interesting, I'm gonna talk about incentives, is again, one person raised their hand that salespeople were actually comped on usage. Interesting, right? We'll talk about some like alternatives for comp. And despite all this, people still buy, right? All this stuff, and again, hopefully more than anything, what I want, to, want you to get from this talk is to think, right? Is to say, man, like this does kind of suck. Like what can we do as a part of ABM to like create more continuity as a part of this? You know, because again, I, I'm, I'm really concerned for what we're going to be doing in sales and marketing um, as transparency and some of these trends come to light here. So, and the other thing is, look, it's not working for our organizations either, right? So again, I talked a lot about the buyer's experience, right? And this is from Salesforce report that came out a few months ago. 57% of reps expect to miss their quota this year. 57%. Right, this number is not decreasing, I can tell you that. Right, why is that? Unrealistic expectations, not enough leads. Marketing, you're not doing your job, not enough leads. More hot leads, right? Right, so again, this whole conveyor belt system, again, is not working for your internal teams, right? Average tenure, right? This is from a HubSpot report. 1.5 years average rep tenure at a company now, right? It's a really good ebook. It talks about like the biggest threat to sales teams is like, not client churn, it's, it's employee churn. We spend so much time retraining and training people, right? So again, this whole process is not working for the buyer. And again, obviously we're continuing to see decreases in customer satisfaction score. So again, it's not only is this process not working for customers, it's also not working internally, you know? And again, I can, I can show you the stats for like the average tenure of like the CMO is down to like 18 months. The average tenure of your first CRO is like 14 months now. Right? There's all these things that's kind of like, this hyper productivity that we, we think that we're creating by just doing more stuff that's not actually driving change with a customer or a healthy sales and marketing org. All right, so first, now we'll kind of transition. I'll talk about like the three trends that I think every marketer needs to really be paying attention to and how you can be a better partner for your sales org as well too. So the first is transparency, okay? I talked about this in the very beginning, but again, how many of you invest with G2, G2 or TrustRadius or any of these sites? How many of you know what the hell I'm talking about? How many of you know it? Okay. You don't? G2 crowd? No. Okay. All right. I'm going to talk about G2 crowd then. All right. 
everyone else will we'll talk about G2. We'll talk about trust radius, et cetera. Because what G2 is doing in particular is really interesting. They're starting to own almost all the comparison keywords, right? So right now, if you go to Google and you Google like best sales consulting firm, guess what one of the top results is? G2. When you Google best whatever software, guess what one of the top results is? G2, right? We, we were very, very lucky for a long, long time in B2B. All the data, all the information we could hold tight and they had to come to us for it, right? They had to come, they had to, come to us for like that information. They had to come to us to get that information. But now G2 Crowd's traffic had, was two and a half X year over year, 2017 to 2018. It's gonna be three X 2018 to 2019, right? For those of you who don't know, G2, Trust Radius, Technology Advice, there's, there's like a handful. These are software review sites. Where for any of you that are selling software, buying software, if you're ever buying software, this is, you just go spend like hours on this, right? They let you compare tools for free. It's amazing, right? So I want you to think about what transparency is actually going to do for the buyer, right? Because how many of you have bought a car in the last like three or four years? People still do that? Yeah, okay, good. All right. What about a house? Three or four, in the last three or four years? Great. Last year, I think it was 65, actually 65 or 70% of all homes bought in the US were found by the buyer, right? Same with the car. How many of you went into the dealership knowing slightly more than the actual car salesman did? Exactly, because you went and did your research. My friends, we had this luxury for a long time in B2B, long, long time, where we had all the chips, we had all the cards. Guess what? They're all on the table now, right? And as G2's traffic continues to grow, they're smarter and smarter about SEO. What's gonna happen now is again, I'm comparing Drift to Intercom, which probably never happens, I'm sure. Again, I can see pricing. I can see reviews. Like they, they will basically rate, should have put another slide up here, but you can see all the different features, et cetera. If you click on features, I can see all the different things rating you across like 60 different features where you're good, where you're bad, where you're not good, where you're, where you're better, right? So again, now imagine this buyer experience. I come to your SDR and I'm like, all right, great. So hi, Lisa. So I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Intercom, I'm looking at Zendesk. What I'd like to do is maybe just understand a little bit more about mobile. It's really important for my team. What is the SDR gonna do? He punched in the mouth. He's like, what? Like, I don't know how to have this conversation. I don't know how to have a business conversation, let alone your sales team. What if I brought the same data to your sales team? How could your sales team actually help to guide my buying process? Or is your sales team gonna do the same thing? Or are they actually, I think we in kind of our little software bubble, we tend to like poo-poo the competition a lot. Like, well, we don't need to, don't worry about what they're doing at Intercom. At Drift, we're better. Like, no, you need to be, you need to understand. You don't have to badmouth anybody, but you need to understand, right? So transparency is one, right? We have to start to get prepared that buyers are gonna start to come to the table way further down the funnel. Like, look, dude, I've already shortlisted this. I know there's these three, like, help me to make the purchasing decision. Right? So more and more buyers are going to come to the table with this. More and more of you in this room need to think about how you're investing in G2 as well, too. I don't get paid by G2 or anything like that. I just believe in the product. Okay, next is technology. Okay, how many of you have more than five like marketing and sales technologies in your stack? I love what Jillian has. She has like 85. Okay, this is from May of 2019. So this is what, a few months ago. This is just sales tech. This has nothing to do with marketing. Right, so I think there's like 1,100 sales technologies right now, and there's a very high probability that not a single one of you in this room have implemented any of these more than twice. 
So the amount of like automation and things that are available behind the scenes and really our use of technology and just overall is, is, is an issue. You know, what we're doing right now is the dark side of technology. We're trying to automate more shit, which is interactions with the buyer as opposed to automate things that are behind the scenes. We, should, we have to start to think about using technology to automate more behind the scenes and your Salesforce admin, they don't know what the hell they're doing either because they haven't implemented these tools either, right? And so sales technology, I'll talk about like the opportunity I think it represents, but Again, we have all these new tools. We're investing between $500 to $1,000 per rep now with tools, but they're not talking to each other. We're not syncing these tools. We're not really, we're, we're, we're focusing on automating the wrong things. We're focused on automating buyer interaction as opposed to, you know, things behind the scenes. And the next thing I'll talk about is the ubiquity, ubiquity of products. I know all of you like, a lot of software vendors, how many of you like toured the vendor floor? Went and like took a look at the vendor floor? A lot of me too's out there. Oh yeah, like that, like that, like that, like that, right? Why? The market is fat right now. All these companies, 20 million, 50 million, 75 million, it is there, the amount of the differentiation between products right now is at an all-time low, right? And so what that means is again, and here's just an example, this is intercom and drift, right? In the back, I bet you like, you're like, I don't know which is which, right? Again, like, I don't know what you guys do, right? So product ubiquity is at an all-time high. And what that means is again, your sales reps need to know how to differentiate. They need to have that communi like human communication. Great. So Franklin, how are you thinking about this? I understand how this is different. Let me tell you what Drift does that's better than us. Let me tell you what I think we're particularly good at. Right? When products all look and feel the same and there's so many contenders, your sales team's ability to differentiate is really what matters. Right? And this is just happening more and more and more. I'm sure a lot of you are overwhelmed with the amount of vendors. It does sound alike. It's because their sales teams suck. Right? Their sales teams are not equipped to have these conversations. They're used to just demoing because their VP said, don't worry about what the other people are doing. We're better, okay? Okay, so where do we go from here? Three things I'm gonna give you, okay? And then we'll do some Q&A around again, future. We can talk about any of this stuff, trends and sales, whatever you wanna talk about, okay? One is you have to have one person who owns the buyer experience. Ideally, it should be your like CEO or like a lot of you might have a CRO, like that'd be great. But we're not going to be able to fix this if one person doesn't own it. I really think in marketing, you can own it. I just think we just over-index right now in marketing on uh, top of funnel because like that's where we're KPI'd. So we over-index that way, right? But there's no way for us to fix this if your company doesn't have one owner or maybe two that can work together to own this experience. And think about buyer experience over speed of handoff at times, okay? The next thing, changing our incentive structures, right? I walked through the different incentive structures. Right? How many, I don't know if you guys know Mark Robert. She was a CRO at HubSpot. And he and I were talking the other day about new comp plans. And a big comp plan that he's starting to implement, we're recommending to our clients, is that salespeople get paid half their commission when the deal closed and the other half when they reach power usage. Right? There's a whole lot of things we could be doing. Like, again, the number one thing, align your SDRs to revenue. I'm okay with some MQL. Like, I'm okay with a portion of it. But if they're not tied to revenue, and even better, this would be like way too far out there. What if you align them to like renewal? I don't know. Like, would that help? What if I started to align my customer success people to year two versus year one, you know? Year three renewal, they got paid even more, right? As opposed to now, we kind of have it twisted, right? Now it's like they make like usually like a degrading amount of renewal year over year, right? Again, so what does that do to my likelihood to like want to spend time with you, right? So a lot of this is we're, we've actually built these sales orgs and built these incentive structures based on how we've done it for a long time. And again, we're just creating all these like, misaligned behaviors, right, by doing this. And then the last thing is that we've got to think about the use of tech, 
right? Tech can be an amazing, amazing. There's a lot of really, really awesome vendors out there. But I really feel like if you are going to be a marketing leader or a sales leader, if we fast forward to 2025, 2030, you're going to need to know what this tech stuff does. You can't outsource this to sales ops or marketing ops anymore. You know, like you're going to have to understand. You don't have to know how to, how, like what it all, like exactly the nuances of it. But I'm telling you, if you don't really understand, because right now there are so many things that you all don't even know are possible that have been possible for two years. There's so much technology that exists right now that again, and we're just not doing a very good job of staying on top of it, okay? And so for me, I really feel like, again, as you think about these three things, again, creating one owner, thinking, rethinking your incentive plans to align to the buyer experience, right? And thinking about tech, I really feel like these are really easy ways to help to increase this experience, right, for them. And, and so, you know, my, my kind of challenge is that, you know, today is the day that hopefully a lot of you start to think about this, start to think about your buyer, not just another MQL, not another SQL, think about their experience with your company and how, they go, how they're going to go talk about you. Because guess what? Now they are going to go talk about you. So if the experience is bad, there is now a Yelp for your company or for your software. It exists, right? The same way Glassdoor exists. If you're a bad CEO, or if you mistreat people, of course, you know, all Glassdoor ratings are BS according to every company that has them. Okay. So again, a lot of this for me is about playing the long game. You're trying to create long-term customers here, right? And again, thinking about incentive structures, thinking about, again, like how we align the teams to work together. How can we make sure that everyone at my company is thinking about how do I keep this customer for forever, right? Or for at least three to five years, whatever my LTV is, right? And so much of this, again, I know whenever, whenever we take venture capital money, there's a lot of pressure um, to play the short game. But, we, but the short game only works for the first two to three years, and then it starts to fail. I cannot tell you how many technology companies we work with that, that look like this, hockey stick, and then year three, year four churn is, is atrocious. It goes to like 80%, 85%. Cause guess what? It worked. And they start to drink their own Kool-Aid and they start to think that, well, look, nobody's churning. It's like, yeah, because the first time someone buys, it's like, it was cheap. It's kind of cool. Second year, they're like, well, all right, I'm not sure, but it's still not that expensive. Third year, they're like, no, nah, we're not using this. Right. And I cannot tell you how many of these companies that have raised 50, 100, 200 million dollars that we've worked with that all see this like year three or year four churn because they're just not, they're not playing the long game. Right. The other, again, just investing in the buyer experience and just really thinking like as a lot of you are involved in marketing and ABM, what I really liked about uh, Jillian's talk before is getting you to think differently about the customer success experience. Why don't we treat our customers with the same level of care that we do like top of funnel? You know, and like, and I really think that a lot of you have that opportunity. And again, like technology can help us to make things more human, et cetera. But we've got to start to think about like the human, you know, in the, in the sales process. So we've got four minutes. So I've got time for some Q&A. We'll go from there, my man. He asked basically like, um, it wasn't really asked, maybe more of a statement. That's all, well, I think as a leadership team, I think as a leadership team, you know, step one would be to really try to map your buyer experience. If you could have like one tangible takeaway is like, go follow your next 10, 20, 30 deals through the process. Really quickly, you're gonna, it's going to start to flag. You're going to be like, this is the problem. Sales, sales keep saying that our product is easy to implement. How do we just change this narrative a little bit so onboarding isn't screwed every single time? So to me, like the most tactical thing that I would do first is go find out where there's fire. So take time, walk through 5, 10, 15 deals, and it will just really quickly bubble up to the top. All right, we've got time for a couple more. Yes. Oh, that's a good question. So basically his question was this message today, like how or what are we doing to kind of propagate this with our clients? So we're at the very beginning stages of this. I mean, this is kind of, this is a new, I don't know if it's a revelation for us as well too. We invested in G2 maybe a year and a half ago because we saw, I, I, 
it was very clear to me. And again, I was the vice president of sales at Glassdoor. So, and you know, my board was founder of Expedia, founder of Zillow. So I saw what happened in transparency. So to me, it, transparency was very obvious to me. Oh shit, this is going to disrupt sales. Like people are going to start to come with it. Step one for me is about awareness, right? And so the rest of these sales tech is another one. You know, we do hundreds of sales tech implementations at scale because I believe like that's going to be the future. It's not just going to be throw more bodies at it. And again, what's going to happen when we go through this next recession or whatever it ends up being? Guess what? Hit your numbers, less bodies. The only way to do it, technology. That's it. Table stakes, right? And then that will kind of clear out some of the ubiquity of products. So this is, I mean, I think a relatively kind of like new story for us about like how this, these things all fit together. For me, it's about embracing it. It's about am I arming, am I training and onboarding, am I arming my sales organization with the G2 reviews? Look, here's what people say about us. This is who we are, right? So for me, I think a lot of this is I post, if you, again, now that hopefully all of you are following me, like I post a lot about this on LinkedIn to try to have this conversation and have a lot of the conversations that I think we need to have as sales leaders that we're, we're not having today. All right, last question. Yes, product hunt. He has thoughts on product hunt. Yeah, I think product hunt is a, a great side as well too. I just haven't seen as much on like the review side. Like I think that they do a great job on discovery and a lot of products, right? Like they'll do B2C and like a lot of different products. So I think product hunt's a great website. I would go look at where you, you live digitally. I mean, all these different places. Like you can choose to ignore it or not. It's like the same time when people would like ignore their Yelp reviews or their G2 or any of this stuff. So cool. All right, well, thanks everyone. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.